And what I might do in terms of background is start off a little bit about some of the statistics, and as a mathematician, I love my statistics, but some of the statistics about how the aviation industry affect, affects the global economy. And the first thing to say is that it has a massive effect. We carried last year 3.8 billion people worldwide. 35% of all traded goods were carried on air transportation, which is a statistic that just takes me back. 68 million people are employed directly by the industry, and it contributes directly 3.6% to world global GDP. So very clearly, it has a big impact both economically and, and socially and strategically, because a lot of countries around the globe view their aviation industry as a strategic arm of what they do. Now, the industry, while it has all of those important factors, unfortunately wasn't an industry that had financial stability linked to that performance. In fact, I think uh, the most famous quote about the aviation industry comes from Warren Buffett in 2008, where he said, after having been burnt with a few airline investments, he said, there was pity there wasn't a far-sighted capitalist at Kitty Hawk to shoot down the Wright brothers, <laughs> and he saved his successors a lot of money. Um, now, that was right up until 2008, because unbelievably, if you added all the profits and losses of the entire aviation industry since that Wright Brothers flight in 1903, it was a massive loss, cumulatively. Not helped by September the 11th and, um, of course, the global financial crisis. Now, we've moved on a little bit since then. In the last two years, we've seen a big turnaround. And in 2015, the industry made for the first time in its history its cost of capital. And there's not many industries that would regard that as a proud moment, but we do. And in 2016, it looks like it's the second year in our history that we'll achieve our cost of capital. But not every airline around the globe is doing well in that environment. Uh, those numbers are masked by the fact that the North American carriers are performing exceptionally well because they've gone through Chapter 11, they've managed capacity, and their profitability accounts for over half the world's profitability. In our region, Qantas um, had a record year this year, a, the biggest year in our 95-year history and the biggest year in Australian aviation history. Some of our peers in the region are struggling in this environment, but Qantas is thriving. And so it's not all down to just fuel. There are other factors that we believe have helped us into this position. And it's the changes structurally that we've made to make our business more agile, more flexible, and the business set up to be less volatile than it has been in the past. Today, over two-thirds of our earnings come from our domestic and loyalty business, which are more stable than the rest of our international business. And our international business, we've been pivoting away from Europe into Asia and North America, which gives us a lot less cyclicality from where we were before. And I'll come back to that. However, the aviation industry is a complex beast. Deregulation is something that we are big supporters of. We would love if a magic wand today could be waved and all bilateral arrangements that existed around the globe disappeared and Qantas could fly everywhere and all other airlines could fly everywhere. We think we'd do well out of that. 
but a little bit about the history of the aviation industry. Unfortunately, it went down a different path to most trade agreements. In 1944, there was a Chicago Convention, and just towards the end of obviously the Second World War, which set up a United Nations body called ICAO to regulate the aviation industry globally. That body also created this system of bilateral agreements between countries on aviation rights, and there are over 3,000 around the globe. And it's been a slow slog to be able to rationalize them over the years. To give you some of the restrictions we have today, we can't pick up passengers from LA to New York, even though we have an aircraft flying that every day. We have no traffic rights to fly from China into, into Europe. We can't own any more than 30% of a Japanese carrier or 25% of an American carrier. There are huge restrictions that are on a bilateral basis. So we would love it to be changed and we'd love it to be able to progress even further. And all the way through the 80s, 90s, and the 2000s, it did progress in the right direction. The dilemma we have now is there are some signs that protectionism is coming back in, and it is going backwards. In particular, I'll give you an example that a few years ago, we tried to set an airline up in Hong Kong. You think a more liberal market. It met the criteria of being a Hong Kong carrier better than Cathay Pacific, but got blocked for pure protectionism. And it's very clear, unfortunately, that that is moving in the wrong direction. And that is probably the only significant threat that I worry about in the industry overall. I want to talk about four then global trends that we're seeing that we think have a hugely positive potential opportunities for the industry. And I want to start with the rise of Asia. We all talk about the rise of Asia in our businesses. But in aviation, the potential here is just massive. In 2009, the Asia-Pacific market overtook the North American market as the biggest aviation market on the globe. By 2034, in nearly every forecast, the Asia-Pacific market will be bigger than North America and Europe put together. There will be over 3 billion people in 2034 transported in this region, nearly the size of the global aviation market today. Now, that's a huge opportunity for us in this region, and we're seeing the benefits already. In fact, we today have 50% of all of our international capacity dedicated to the Asian market. That's up from 30% in 2008. We only have 10% dedicated to Europe. That was 30% a few years ago. So the opportunity for airlines and, and carriers in this region is absolutely immense, with potential for us to m massively double over the next few years. In fact, some of the other positioning that we're pretty proud of is that Jetstar now is the largest low-cost carrier in Japan, the second largest in Vietnam, and the largest in Singapore. Jetstar alone has opened up 21 new routes in Asia in the last 12 months alone. We're extremely well positioned to take advantage of that global trend. The second that I know a lot of companies talk about is digitization and the rise of big data. And a lot of companies talk about this, but I do believe that this is a huge opportunity for us to participate in and with the use of new technology to change your business. The fact that 20 years ago only 3% of the world's population had mobile phones, 
Now it's two thirds of the world's population have mobiles. We're collecting, according to Ernst and Young, most companies have 80% of the data available to them that they do not use. So what we're trying to do to facilitate our, um, our ability to leverage this. Well, first of all, we are using cloud computing, big data, to nearly do um, everything from a, from a company point of view in artificial intelligence, and we think it's the way going forward of managing our business from a strategic, tactical, operational, and new ventures capability. Strategically today, when you look at where we use Jetstar, where we use Qantas, which routes we fly, that's all being done by big data. It's no longer a personal, good-feeling assessment of where we use the airlines. Where we allocate capital is done with big data. You could ask 100 customers, would they like new lounges, new seats, best uh, caviar on board, um, the, a seamless check-in process, and of course they'll say yes to everything. The science is determining where you get the biggest bang for your limited capital, and we have some sophisticated algorithms and models to help us make those decisions. <clears throat> Operationally, we've just rolled out the most amazing system that manages disruption on an airline component that we've never had before. If there's fog in Canberra and you've three aircraft stuck there, how do you get your passengers to recover the passengers that are stuck? How do you get your crew repositioned and your aircraft repositioned? It is a massive mathematical model, and we've just rolled out a new system that does it in a fraction of the speed with more information and less cost to your customer, less cost to your organization. So the, the use of artificial intelligence and computing, we are just seeing the tip of the iceberg in how airlines, how other businesses can make a big difference. The other thing it's helping us do is launch new businesses. Qantas now has over 300 million in earnings that come from our loyalty program. And that's a business that is growing through new ventures continuously. We launched only recently Qantas Assure, our, our uh, venture into health insurance. We believe we can have 3% of that market using data about your customers that other people don't have. We already have 15% of the foreign exchange currency market and 35% of all credit cards in Australia are being used on a Qantas credit card, of expenditure in Australia is on a Qantas credit card. It is an amazing opportunity for us to disrupt in, digital, in the digital space. But the one, as an airline person, I'm probably even more excited about is aircraft technology. It used to take over 12 days to get from Sydney to London, multiple stops on the way, overnighting in hotels. As aircraft technology improved, it helped all of your customers get there. But it got to a stage where one stop to London was feasible across the board. That created the hub carriers, which in the long run were a disadvantage to Qantas. What is now happening is the next evolution of aircraft technology, and we get an aircraft, the 787-9, at the end of 17 into 18, that has the capability of flying from Perth to London, the capability of flying from Brisbane to Dallas, Melbourne to Dallas, to re-establish the longest routes in the world. The first time in our history that we could fly from Australia direct into Europe again. And it's going to get better. There's an aircraft, the 787, 
the 7788X that can fly from Sydney to New York direct non-stop. And our engineers are working with Boeing to allow the aircraft to fly from Sydney to London non-stop in both directions. That changes the game for Qantas's international business quite significantly going forward. <coughs> the, second, the third uh, component quickly to talk about is around the changing demographics of your customer base and employee base. This, this thing is a huge opportunity if you get it right and a huge threat if you don't. Generation Y and Z have $200 billion of spending power today. By 2020, 50% of the workforce will be that generation. And they think about and deal with companies very differently. They want, Pew Research said that 80% of Generation Y want a company that is concerned about their so social impact. They want to work for a company that's concerned about it. We're pretty proud of the fact that we're out there leading the way on uh, indigenous recognition as a company, on gender equality, on marriage equality, and on uh, general diversity in the workforce. Because not only is it the right moral thing to do, it's the right thing to do for your employee base of your future, and the right, more, uh, the right business thing to do for the customers in terms of the appeal of your brand. Um, and the last one uh, in terms of a trend that is worthwhile, uh, worthwhile mentioning is around, uh, is around climate change and limited resources. As an airline, one of our biggest costs and one of the biggest things we do is burn, uh, burn fuel to produce a CO2. So it is very clear that companies that are focused on their impact on the climate and their impact on what they're doing to minimize that uh, will do better than companies that don't. And I'm pretty proud of the aviation industry in a couple of ways because it's lead the forefront on this. We're one of probably the only industry that has been asking for a market-based mechanism system to be applied to the entire industry. At the moment, there are 37 different carbon offset, uh, carbon application programs uh, that are being applied around the globe. There's a meeting at the end of this year where we're hoping that ICAO will actually put one system in for the entire globe and the aviation industry is being asked for that. Secondly, we as an airline are doing a lot in offsetting the carbon emissions of our business. We have the biggest carbon offset program of any airline on the globe. We generate over a million dollars a year that we now put into programs in Papua New Guinea and here in Australia to help offset the carbon that we're producing. But most importantly of all is what we're going to have to develop in terms of sustainable aviation fuels. We have a target that by 2050, we'll have to be producing half the CO2 emissions that we did in 2005. The only way we're going to get there is that if we have the vast majority of our fuel being sustainable fuels. Now, that's a great opportunity for Australia because we spend over $3 billion on aviation fuel a year. If that can be a homegrown industry, what an opportunity in employment and what an opportunity for us avoiding um, export, uh, exports um, and buying the fuel from overseas. So there's a lot of opportunities and potential threats in the aviation industry as a globe. Um, we believe that we're well positioned as a business. Over the last few years, we've positioned ourselves to be agile and flexible, to be able to cope with the constant shock syndrome that we've seen in the business for the last few years. 
but more importantly, I think, than being able to manage the fluctuations that will take place in oil and the geopolitical issues that will take place around the globe. What, more, what is more important is position yourself well for the future trends that are going to shape the industry into the future. Qantas, for 95 years, has reinvented itself multiple times. With an airline that was a regional airline that became the airline that created the world's first global alliance. We were an airline that moved to jets before anybody else at the forefront of technology. We're an airline that created business class before anybody else. Today, we think and believe we're reshaping the business to be more sustainable and less dependent on the cyclical businesses that we have, but taking advantage of some of the global trends that are going to take place in the rise of Asia, the change of demographics of our customer base, and the opportunities that are created by digital revolution that we're seeing today. Not to be disrupted by it, but to be the disruptor to other businesses. So I'm hoping with what we're doing, we've set Qantas up to be successful for at least the next 95 years, given all of these components that are in our plan. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs>